You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Today's episode of the Nile or Nine podcast is brought to you by OneSonic. OneSonic are an Irish-based audio tech brand who make great earphones and headphones. OneSonic have just released their wireless noise cancelling earbuds, the MXS HD1, and I've been using them on my morning runs and for work and their class. They're very comfortable, they come with a compact wireless charging case so you can roam around, gives you 20 hours listening time. If you want to try out the OneSonic wireless earbuds yourself, use the code NYLER15 for 15% off at onesonic.com. That's onesonic.com. Hello and welcome to the Nile Nine podcast with me, Andrea Cleary, and Niall Byrne, who has a little bit of a cold. Hi, how's it going? Hi. Yeah, I my took voice the has been cracking because, all week. Yeah, it's a lot. Um, it's not the thing, which is good. No, yeah, it's not the thing. I did an antigen test today, again, yeah. just to check, because it was getting worse. Yeah, but I'm fine, I'm fine, thing. I'm here, I'm here, and I'm you ready to talk about... Uh, you know, a little known band, four letter word, little known four letter word band, you know. Very no excited deal. to talk about Wham today uh, in our <laughs> Wham special. Uh, I'd also like to to introduce um, our special guest, the guy who's blowing the leaf blower outside my window. Uh, you will be hearing from him um, at certain points during the episode. So do bear with him. It's his first time on a podcast. Yeah, but um, it, actually it's not. I think he may, he may have been there last week. For some he reason, he might have been there last week. He decides week. to record here. <laughs> he's time, he decides to blow his leave when we decide to record <laughs> our podcast. So uh, I, I look out the window at him sometimes and he, he genuinely looks delighted to be blowing the leaves. So, you know, I can't right. take that away from him. But where I do you blow leaves to? Like, what's the point? You're just blowing away from your, it's like, get a, it's like nimbyism. Is that what, it, <laughs> is that what leaf blowing is? <laughs> It's like the ultimate, I, like, get out of my garden. You can go yeah. somewhere else. That's literally get out, it. Of, 
Get out of that garden. Yeah, no, I, I, from what I can see, he blows them all into one big pile. This is very working from home energy, like just me looking out the window, <laughs> avoiding work. But yeah, he blows them all into one big pile and then the pile is then removed. Um, and this is this is an apartment block. So he's like employed by the landlord agency people or whatever. And I, I don't think any of us want this. Like we no. don't, like we're happy he's here, but... The, you know, the leaves are a scourge on I, our, I like on our the nation. Leaves. They're a scourge. I like the leaves. You're, I like the vibe. Sad autumn girl would really like to, the leaves to stay. I know. I know. <laughs> I I put up a photo yesterday of um, a piece of popcorn I found in my pocket. Um, and it, we're, we're riveting people it was just <laughs> with our conversations today. <laughs> I know. But, but I took it like around all these leaves. Um uh, the, the photo, I mean, and I got two separate messages about it. The first was uh, a friend who said he didn't have his glasses on when he first saw the photo and he thought it was an engagement photo because it was like my hand oh, with right. popcorn okay, yeah, in it. Yeah. And my other friend, friend of the show, Carlo, um, texted to say that he thought I was holding a human tooth. So that was, Sound. yeah, that's my cool anecdote of the Oh, you're tooth anyway, Oh yeah, weird. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> We're not here to talk about teeth. We're here to talk about ABBA and ABBA Voyage, which was released last Friday. I'm sure everybody's had a chance to listen to it. Um, to kind of strange reviews. Um, and what Niall and I want to talk about today is why is it so difficult to review ABBA Voyage? Because yeah, over I and over in all these reviews, there there just seems to be something that we can't really get past as reviewers and whether that's legacy, whether it's ABBA gold, whatever it is, we're going to try and get to talk about today. It's uh, the ABBA album, um, which just comes 40 years after the last one. It is, comes with a lot of weight, comes with a lot of baggage, (laughs) essentially, you know, I mean, it's their ninth studio album, but you could argue that maybe we never even needed it. Um, and that is a fair argument to make, perhaps, because, mm. you know, ABBA have done all they need to do in, in for popular music. Um, and, you know, obviously it ties in with the Voyage thing that they're doing next year. And if you don't know what that is, it's basically a a live show with live musicians playing ABBA songs and like playing the backing tracks. But the vocals will be recorded, pre-recorded like ABBA um so they'll be using some avatars. So I don't know. If it's not like a 3D thing. Exactly. Mm. It's not like the, the two-pack yoke from a couple of years ago. It's more like sc- pro- probably more obvious screens, I would imagine. I don't know. Mm. really know. I don't think they're going to be moving around much or like anything. But what I do know is that the band features uh, some musicians that you may know, including um, Little Boots. Remember Little Boots? I do remember Little Boots. I didn't know that Little Boots was involved with this. Yeah, well, she's in the uh, ABBA uh, live band. She said it's badass cool because people talk like that still, apparently. Um, <laughs> but on, who else L- is Little in Boots it? is um, our age, though. Really. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. But they, you shouldn't <laughs> be using that, those words. Um, no. <laughs> but there's 10 musicians in the, in the group, including um, the former singer of the Claxons, James Wrighton. So there That's you go. True. Um, you know, I mean, no one knew this was going to happen, but there you go. That's this is uh, so they're happening all next year, basically. From I think it's May onwards, um, and they're I think they're right up to Christmas now. I'm going to go in July, I believe. And I this is there's no Irish date for this. You're going to no, it all happens in London. Yeah, it's in the ABBA, like um, I don't know. It's basically the like a big arena, and uh, that's where it happens. And 
and there's like matinee shows and all this kind of stuff like it happens every week it happens monday thursday friday matinee saturday sunday and uh yeah late shows as well so it's just it's an interesting thing because it's obviously like the album is released to coincide with the live show really so it's essentially a piece of content that associates with the abba voyage thing that happens next year the live mm. shows running from may to december so i guess in that way it's kind of like you could argue that you maybe don't need any abba album but mm. you know i mean i think i think i've been vacillating between the two in the last week since the album came out i'm like some days i really really enjoy it and some days i'm really like oh, what is this mm. <laughs> and i think that's what the crux is i think it's like it trying to explain trying to trying to listen to something with a completely separate sensibility than something you normally listen to it's like listening to musical theater if you don't listen to musical yeah. theater you're like you're like locked into a very different type of um vernacular that suddenly is very feels very different and uh yeah very present maybe in terms of um, emotion and melancholy and all the kind of things that mm. i have always tapped into but um yeah i don't know maybe it's it's and obviously you know we're talking about a band that was used as the basis for two of the biggest um certainly one of the biggest um music films of the last uh, musical films of the last um 30 years with mamma mia and um mamma so mia, yeah i think there's again. a lot there there's a lot there in terms of like ABBA have never really gone away. And then we, we did a, we did an L special before about ABBA where we just had a bit of fun and we, we basically picked out our favorite bits in terms of ABBA songs. Mm. So that's from August, 2018. You can go back and listen to that. We did that uh, a long time ago now. Um, but that was a lot of fun. So, yeah, I think on, on the day that ABBA released Voyage, I tweeted that reviews should consider first and foremost that ABBA owes nothing. Um, and I still kind of maintain that now. And since then, I've, I've been thinking about what I kind of mean by that. Um, and I've been framing it with the um, with the upcoming release of the Beatles documentary, Get Back, and thinking about the musical careers of uh, Paul McCartney and George Harrison and just thinking like, like, does Paul McCartney owe us anything? No, of course not. But would I approach a review of a new Paul McCartney work in more critically than I would ABBA. Yes, I definitely would. Um, and there was uh, Ben Cardew in, in his review for Pitchfork uh, wrote, the stakes for the band's comeback with Voyage is both impossibly high and curiously low. And I think that sums it up really well, because like you said, time is a factor. It has been 40 years since ABBA last released music. I was born nine years after that um, into a world and a family where ABBA was used to kind of explain the language of music, to explain the language of pop music to me. Like not explicitly, but the language of ABBA was kind of spoken by everybody I knew. And I don't know about you, but it was never at any point in my life uncool to like ABBA in in ways where it might have been a bit uncool to like, I don't know, like Paul McCartney's solo work for a while or or whatever it is, you know. It was always cool to like ABBA. And I think there was always an understanding that ABBA changed pop music and reinvented the wheel, but did so unlike Paul McCartney and unlike even somebody like Michael Jackson without kind of, you know, trying to introduce chart sensibilities to their music. Mm. I think that's a really important 
aspect. Like, so the Beatles, if you were to continue that comparison, was a band that changed with the times and kind of bowed out when the time was right. And their surviving members have gone on to release work. Some of it has been brilliant, some of it not so brilliant, which doesn't detract from the magic of the Beatles, but it at least contextualizes the band as a band and the magic that they had together. So we've kind of seen members of the Beatles like make mistakes. We've even seen the Beatles make mistakes. But ABBA, at least in our memory, have never really put a foot wrong. And I think that that kind of how we approach ABBA as this kind of sacred thing because of various influences, like our, our own nostalgia, our parents' nostalgia for this band, I think really kind of you have to take that into account when you're listening to new ABBA music, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. We say there about, um, you know, ABBA never being not cool. Um, mm-hmm. I guess for me, it, I was like, you know, I wouldn't have admitted to like an ABBA. I wouldn't really, wasn't really interested in that when I was younger, but like, mm-hmm. I think everyone understood intrinsically that they were a very good band. Yeah. And it's interesting, the ABBA uh, Beatles comparison, because you're essentially talking about the same amount of time almost mm. for those two bands who exist like seven or eight years um, in terms of their career and discography, their main discography to work. And um, so there is obviously uh, the Beatles wrote a lot more albums and were very prolific in those terms. But, you know, I mean, you know, there is an argument here that, you know, ABBA Gold is arguably the only album you'll ever need from ABBA because that collects all their best songs. There is an a- argument that ABBA aren't even an album band and then you mm. don't even really need to go and listen to their albums, which often had some fairly dodgy tunes on them, to be honest, like they did have some yeah. dodgy tunes on them. That's okay as well, you know, I mean, I yeah, think, I think time- Ab- Ab- ABBA Gold is a very interesting thing to talk about here. I mean, like, so... For for context, Abba Gold, second highest selling album of all time in the UK after Queen's Greatest Hits, five times platinum in Germany. This this is a greatest hits compilation. Five yeah. times platinum in Germany, ten times platinum in Switzerland. In Austria, it charted for three hundred and ninety seven weeks, which is the second longest day in the chart. Uh, it returned to the top ten three times, and tw- two of those times were in the ra- in the wake of the releases of Mamma Mia and Mamma Mia. Here we go again. Um, because of a special edition that was released. And, you know, that that album is such a huge part of our cultural understanding of the band. I can't really think of any other greatest hits compilations that have had the impact of Abba Gold, which is a compilation album that doesn't signal like a lack of knowledge about a band. Whereas like, you know, if you're a teenager and someone does that thing of like, oh, well, what's your favorite album from the band or whatever and you're talking about like Led Zeppelin or Metallica or whatever and you say oh well I just have the greatest hits that's kind of seen as you not being a big yeah. enough fan of the band but Abba Gold n- never really like has that problem because Abba Gold is not just a collection of the best Abba songs like this is a collection of the best songs full stop like these are these are some of the best pop songs ever written and it's a phenomenon. Like it brought the band back into the conversation after they had a bit of a dip in the 1980s. It was released in, I think, 1992 uh, yeah. first and is generally, like you said, considered the only ABBA album that you need. Like uh, the BuzzFeed music editor, um, Matthew per- Perpetua, um, 
says that it's so well curated in presenting a fertile period of a career that it is arguably the artist's definitive work. And I don't know any other. I mean, maybe, maybe Queen would be a good a good comparison there. Like I, I don't. I also don't think that Queen is a mm. is an albums band. Um, and you could probably get everything you needed from the Queen greatest hits. Yeah. But you know, yeah, like it's it's never it's never left the conversation and like. Pop fans will always love ABBA. People who love songwriting will always love ABBA. You know, queer communities love ABBA. Dance DJs like yourself love ABBA. Hip hop artists love ABBA. Like the reach is so far and it's all down to the strength of that songwriting. So I think it does make sense that having a, a compilation like ABBA Gold have the reach that it did, it it's sort of not framing it as like these are the best ABBA songs, but more like here here's a collection of some of the best songs that have ever been written, but this collection only includes the ABBA ones. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it is. It is. I think I'm just trying to think of like other greatest hits albums that might, um, you know, been in the conversation and the only ones mm. I can that wouldn't even be as impactful but thinking of the Beatles ones the night you know the red and the green ones mm. um mm-hmm. 1962 to 66 and then 67 to 70 that's uh I think with them though that's a collection of songs as and, opposed um, to a collection the Beatles, of singles they have like the, the Beatles have loads of different yeah. collections uh whereas ABBA like gold is is the only one and it's the definitive one it is the gold um, standard of the gold of standard ABBA greatest hits yeah yeah absolutely and the gold standard of of what what to do when you want to release a, a compilation album um oh, only include the best ones but there's like 20 something songs on ABBA gold isn't there 21 or 22 songs on ABBA gold there's been 19, a few different yeah. Re- yeah there's been a few different releases over the years where songs have been kind of put on and taken off it or there'd be like the Swedish versions of, of of some of the songs on some versions of the record and not on others. But, you know, it's interesting because ABBA, ABBA have had eight studio albums before Voyage and all of them have hits on them. Um, so we can't say that as a band, even though we don't really consider ABBA to be an albums band, we can't say that they haven't made great albums. Like the unreleased tracks on Super Trooper, The Visitors and Arrival are all fantastic. And I think by any measure, those are great albums. But we don't speak about them as an albums band. And I think that's why it's so strange to try and start doing that now with Voyage. And I think that that's where the disconnect comes from some of the reviews I've read um, of Voyage. People are approaching it like an album. And yes, it is an album in 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 the technical sense of the word. But like, like you said, it's, it's something that is pointing to this bigger ABBA comeback extravaganza. But it's also about nostalgia and about getting older um and i think those those are things that they do very well on the album but looking at it as an album in the same way that we look at like the new snail mail album or whatever or like a new you know, like <laughs> yeah. it just it just the feels Mits- weird the Mitski album forthcoming or the Mitski yeah. album like that <laughs> like we're, we're absolutely going to be approaching the Mitski album as an album but with abba it feels it just feels strange to do that because we've never, as in critics our age, have never done that before. Um, yeah, is it like music, musically and contextually, where it's been beamed in from the past? Like it's 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 beamed mm. in as an album that was just kind of like it's not a great fanfare kind of thing. It's just like oh, the latest album's out. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, it, which is so funny because and, you know it's it's their first in forty years, and I and I do think that the 
the excitement was certainly there, but I don't know that the expectation was there from a lot of people. It was this, this is, this is very much a nice to have, but completely unnecessary. Ab- ABBA would have sold out those London shows 10 times over if they didn't yeah. release Voyage. It doesn't matter. And it's charting, like it's doing, it's doing very well. ABBA are back in the charts, which, which is great. But I don't know beyond maybe two songs. I don't know how many people are actually going to go to this Voyage thing excited to hear this album. You know, you, you, you yeah. want to go and you want to hear the hits. And that's fine. That's fair. Absolutely fair. That's yeah, fair, I think you'd be you know. a bit like, I'd say, obviously, because the album's called Voyage and the show's called Voyage, a few of these songs will definitely make it to the show. Oh, 100%. And if, that's, if it's a two-hour show or whatever it is, you're like, fine. <laughs> you mm. know what I mean? You'll be absolutely grand with that. And uh, I have my choices, uh, which ones I'd like to hear if I, if and when I, I get I, to do I have a well, feeling when, when we're, we're probably going to be in agreement. Um, yeah. We can we can them. we can discuss that at the end as well. But um yeah, should we should we delve into the actual album then and try and kind of make sense of it in terms of a track by track or how do you want to do it? Um give, give me your thoughts about the album overall. Okay, so I mean and it and it really does feel like um I'm basically the only way I can really make sense of this album is say there's ten tracks on it. And I like, <laughs> you know, Do I you really want to go like, track by track, track. Would you prefer to go track by track? I don't think it really matters. Um, okay. You know, I mean, I, I, yeah, I can go track by track because like, yeah, we can talk about the tracks individually. I think, you know, still have faith in you as the opening track. It's the one that, you know, it was released at the same time as uh, Don't Shut Me Down. Mm-hmm. And it's a really lovely opener. It's like it got the stirring strings and piano. It's. Agnita and Frida uh, really give the tune its kind of heart because it's it's almost like the justification. The song is about the justification of coming back and restarting after 40 years. It kind of mm. reads like that. And again, I mean, like the the melancholy that's always uh, below the surface and that was very much present in the lyrics here. Do I have it in me? I believe it's in there from for I know I hear a bittersweet song in the memories we share. So it's all very like, you know, it's Oh, when she sings, Do I have it in me? I'm like, yeah. Yes, you do. You do, <laughs> you can do anything. And it is a great it's a really good album opener for, you know, for a band to come back forty years later and mm. do something like that. I'm like, that's great. That's just really yeah. lovely to hear. And I think overall, I mean, it's probably worth mentioning, you know, like the album doesn't try too hard to like fit itself into 2021 in any way no. there's very few sounds here that are like oh well they tried to do something or they try to acknowledge the passing of time yeah well, the way that they're not uh, passing of time is, is actually acknowledged is is through the voices of agnita and frida like because yeah. you can hear them a bit older and and in the lyrics as well if you talk about like there's songs there's a lot of songs here about familial strife and relationships marriage and and divorce yeah. of course and um, a lot of so, kind of ballads like the the a, yeah. a lot of the lyrics on this would i i think would fit really well with like folk and country music yeah and it's interesting you say the country thing because mm-hmm. you know that's essentially what i can be that woman which is i don't think it's a great song it's fairly maudlin but uh bjorn um says it's a country song in essence and as a little gesture to the queen of country as far as i'm concerned Tammy Wynette, the dog is called Tammy in it. Um, a lot of stuff going that song, but it's basically <laughs> about someone who has come down from an addiction and finally come down into real life and it's sorry about all the wasted years. So when I read that back, I was like, because I thought, 
you know, I, I did see some lyrics that said, you know, oh, it was problematic that, um, you know, I can be that woman is like a woman saying she can change for her man. But actually, it's the woman who's the addict here and is the one who's who's saying that she needs to change in order to be a better person. Mm. Um, so that was kind of interesting, I thought. But I think overall, it's not a great song. So there's a few bad songs in this, I have to say. Like, I mean... Mm-hmm. Like that is one of them. The Bumblebee song um, isn't great. A very ham-fisted climate change song. It's musically a bit Enya, to be honest, but it's yeah. it's just the the lyrics are, you know, it's like you could just imagine uh, Bjorn sitting in his fancy back garden writing about a song about a bumblebee and you're like, all right, lads, that's enough. Yeah. <laughs> just put the guitar away, you know? <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't like think that. ABBA have ever been... Um, the voice of like social justice causes, you know, like they, they write about heartbreak very, very well. Yeah. Um, in all its guises, not just in love, but in all, all different kinds of heartbreak. And I think that that's why the songs on this album that deal with having your heart broken, whether it's in a marriage or whether it's through old friendships or family issues, they're the songs that work better. Whereas when they try to kind of make a state of the nation address on climate change uh, like it's hardly surprising that it doesn't work because that's yeah. not that's not what they do you know um they make they they're the originators of the sad banger and that's what i came into this album wanting and honestly there's enough of them here for me to be happy with you know okay but okay well before you talk about what which ones you really like what do you think of uh track two when you danced with me because <laughs> i mean it's it is it probably uh, like sound wise sonic wise it's probably the most divisive thing on it because it's yeah. it's got that bagpipe synth thing that's kind of sometimes honestly it depends what mood i'm in sometimes i'm like mm. that's class and other times i'm like i hate this <laughs> and so i just mm. don't know well will we will we take a listen to it okay let's listen to let's uh, go when you danced with me Okay, that was ABBA, When You Dance With Me. Um, obviously, uh, the big big Irish uh, context for that song is that uh, they mentioned Kilkenny. And if you want to know what that's about, well, Bjorn was, uh, Bjorn, now 76, according to a news article that I read about this. Uh, we had, the quote was all sent around this week uh, for anyone uh, from the Irish media about this. Uh, I remember when I visited Kilkenny. Uh, basically, Bjorn and his wife went to, uh, drove around Ireland from coast, from Limerick to Dublin uh, in the 90s and stopped at Kilkenny. And it was beautiful and very romantic, he thought. Oh. Castles, churches and the surroundings County Kilkenny with his little charming villages. Hey, Kilkenny is a city, man. Come on. Uh, no, Everyone's okay, very upset I've, with you. <laughs> my old housemate Ian is from Kilkenny. This is this is a side note, right? My old housemate Ian is from Kilkenny. And all of our friendship group just like continuously refer to Kilkenny as like, oh, it's a lovely town. And it's quite yeah. a big town, you know, and he <laughs> hates it. And recently I, I found out from someone on Twitter that Kilkenny is the only county in Ireland that doesn't have a Tesco, 
right? You can imagine <laughs> the absolute abuse he got in the WhatsApp group about that. Doesn't have a Tesco. The whole so maybe that that feeds into Bjorn's provincial kind of love for maybe. the county. Um, well, he did say he drove through Cork, but as well, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that place. But try to replace Kilkenny with Cork in the song; it just didn't work. So no, it doesn't work. So Kilkenny is is more evocative mm. uh, lyrically. So uh, that's why. So what's it's your feelings there. on this song now? I don't know. I don't know. I know. It's like it's like. <laughs> I kind of like like it, but I kind of hate it. I don't know. And I think that kind of like explains mm. the album sometimes when you're like, this is yeah. so ridiculous. But like, well, let's dig into that because I think I think the reason that we might feel like we should hate it is because it is that kind of wild mountain time. Yeah. Like irish kind of pipes sound. and accordions and flutes pipes and, and accordions and go away the, girl is in like, there somewhere you know the time signatures very kind of you know you, you can imagine yourself it with, with a different rendition it could be this, a cliff a richard song it could be it could be westlife it could but it, it could also be something sung in the snug in the back of a pub like in Galway, like late at night with a trad band just kind of singing an old tune so I, all I know is how I feel about the song. I don't know what kind of critical engagement I can give this song, but I know that when I listen to it, especially in the chorus, I'm like, this is lovely. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm very much in the minority there, but I don't, I, I can't really find a lot to hate about it because I think it comes from a really nice place. Like I think, I think it comes from them just wanting to celebrate like a little time they spent in Ireland and that was lovely. And, you know, yeah. they're not, they're also, they're not Americans doing it. So that Yeah, that's true. Of, it would be worse if it was American. <laughs> it, oh yeah, no, it, it would be unacceptable. No offense to any Americans listening, but. Yeah, it, w- it would be a completely different ball game if this was a, a British band or like a, an English band or an American band or whatever. Maybe but it does not. feel like that. Maybe it is like something that Coldplay might concoct someday. You know, it has that kind of vibe to it. You know, Do you think that's like it? That trying. it's that it's ABBA by way of like the the sanitized Ireland that is often sort of yeah maybe through, maybe like via America and then out again. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, we're it's refracted into into American culture and then backwards or yes, you exactly. know maybe that's what it that. is. I just I I I mean if it came on, you know, like we're gonna we're both gonna be down on other voices uh, at the end of this month. I've not really been out, and if if this came on of a night, <laughs> and you're, you're, you're DJing down there, so I'm not I'm not oh, trying to tell you how to do. Don't your put job words well. in my mouth about this song, <laughs> Jesus Christ! Well, <laughs> I just think that if you played this, everyone would go mad. Like everyone would love it, and they think it was gas. And I think that's it. I think the song is gas, and yeah, it is. That's gas, why I yeah. like it. I think it's 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 not a very it's not an overly serious song. It's just a bit of crack, like. And I think they've they have that in it, and the whole like when you dance with me, it does kind of hark to this kind of Irish, you know, there when when you're walking with someone and you met at the dance and blah, blah blah. And Ireland, neither of us ever lived in, but one that I'm sort of interested in, you know, <laughs> kind of yeah, it's exactly yeah. like that. It fits into wild mountain time. One hundred percent, and I, things. I loved every moment of watching Wild Mountain Time. Do you know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Like, so it's just, it's, it's more like that sort of media is interesting for what it's not representing. Do you know what I mean? Or how, yeah. how, like the the difference between the Ireland that we know and the Ireland that we hear 
or see in that kind of thing. But I think there's such a disconnect that I don't actually find things like that offensive. Do you know what I mean? I'd love to hear the Mary Wallopers do a version of this, do you know? I think, I think they could do it. I think they yeah. could do it. Because it's a folk song. It is just a folk yeah. song. Or you know, Lisa O'Neill. Uh, admittedly, yeah, <laughs> with a ridiculous bagpipe synthy thing going on. Yeah. But, uh, so, which obviously leads us to the next track, which is, uh, you know, a very brave decision by yeah. ABBA, or ABBA, as uh, I tried to listen to, um, you know, the like on audiobooks, uh, they have those 33 and a third books, and there's one about ABBA yeah. Gold. And uh, I tried to listen to it once, and the Americans often call uh Abba, Abba, and I was Abba. like, no, nope, can't listen to this. And actually, there Abba. is there is some pro- uh, confusion about pronunciation of their names sometimes because the Swedish pronunciation could be Swedish a bit more like it. it could be a bit more like Abba. Uh, Abba. But anyway, we say it a different way. But it was just the Abba. American. Yeah, this Abba. house we called them Abba. And that's what they're called. And uh, yeah, so it's just interesting. Like I went, I really wanted to listen to it because I actually just should buy the book and read it. But because uh, it's like again you're talking about the status of that album as a greatest hits. You don't write 33 and a third books about the fucking greatest hits of a band. You don't. I know, I know. But there's somebody right, has it. written one. So yeah, I, mean, I think that's El- really interesting. Elvis Costello had uh, Abba Gold on his like, I think he did something, it was like 10 albums that, you know, he'd want to be buried with or some something like that. And one of them was Abba Gold. Like, a, there's no other compilations on that. Yeah, list. and obviously there's that yeah. like Alan Partridge joke about, uh when your man in uh, the travel tavern is like, "What's your favorite Beatles album?" He's like, "Oh, I have to say the best of the Beatles." Best of the Beatles. And that's a punchline, <laughs> but like you can say, you could say that with Abba Gold and be like, "You no, could you say Abba Gold is the best album." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't think Little Things is going to be on it though. That is their Christmas song, which is track track three on the album. Yeah. God, it's so sacred. Do you know what it reminds Ball me of? Something dude. like the sound of music or something like that with the children's choir and Christmas stockings full of nice yeah. things. You're like, who wants to hear this? Do Nobody people want to hear this? this? I don't no. know. Yeah. <laughs> Track three. I know, like, not even at the end. Like such a weird decision, like not to have it as a bonus track. Bonus track, absolutely fine. You can just kind of, you can be like, okay, yeah. let's have a Christmas song or whatever. But like, I don't like, and as well, what's, what's so disappointing about this song is that ABBA, ABBA feel like a band who should be able to write like All I Want for Christmas is You or or Last Christmas, you know, yeah. to write like one of those big, big songs like Last Christmas. That's very sad, but also just like a wonderful, wonderful song that like stands the test of time. And yeah, you're right. I mean, and they have Happy, Happy New Year, which is a terrible they song. They have ha- Happy New Year, <laughs> which I sing every year, like, and I don't like it, but it's there and it's fine. But they they just seem like like ABBA and Christmas seem like they should be it just seems like it should be a lot better than whatever this is this barely feels like a Christmas song it feels more like they were trying to write a hymn and that didn't work out but I don't know yeah not this this is not it like definitely not this we actually sounds like the kind of song this. that Alan Partridge would have asked ABBA to play in his Christmas specials yeah. you know like that's what it is. It's the yeah. the saccharine level of it. You know, obviously, uh, Partridge used ABBA all the time as a uh, shorthand for things and knowing me, knowing you, and all that stuff. Uh, but yeah, this feels like calling him. his son Fernando. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but look, and then it's immediately redeemed by one of the best songs on the album, which is "Don't Shut Me Down." And like, thank God, it, don't. It's shut got me that down, ABBA relationship drama at its core, you Brilliant. know, and it's even got like. It's a bit like the way uh, the day uh, the day I caught the train on mm. from um, the visitors is uh, kind of very evocative in terms of what it's talking about. Like it's kind of like taking you 
placing you in a character with a character on a train or or like what they're doing reading the newspaper mm. where this is like like she, I, a while ago i heard the sound of children's laughter and now it's quiet so i guess they left the park sitting on a wooden bench basically wooden bench is getting harder by the hour the sun is going down it's getting dark i realize i'm cold mm. and it's something she has to do and yeah. um so yeah i mean and what what she has to do is go and confront and uh talk to her partner or ex-partner not quite clear exactly but it's such a banger that song let's play a bit a of don't let me down or don't shut me down I want to go. it's time at last to let him know Now that is a banger. That is an absolute banger. That song. Banger. That is a great track, um, and it has the drama in there as well. And I think it has all of the classic pre-chorus, which is yeah, all the pre-choruses. Like, it's such, is such a hallmark so of ABBA, ABBA music. Great pre-chorus. Yeah, it's just yeah, it's lovely, and it starts off with this kind of slow thing, and then like when it kicks in for the maybe like the second or third verse or whatever, it has this almost like reggae beat under it and you're like okay interesting it's kind of reggae time signature under it and then yeah great chorus just yeah and and it goes places it's quite a dynamic song like it really builds um and it's just such a banger like yeah it's great but also like like the the word banger is funny because like I, I, I don't know if like if you call Dancing Queen a banger, like it is a banger, but it's, it's a very modern word for this. Yeah. But it's not a modern song at all. You know, no. it's it, it's modern in their lives because it's kind of a bit more considerate of, you know, I'm, I I love she says, I'm hot, don't shut me down. I'm like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> love that you're just telling people you're hot. Love this for you. <laughs> um, yeah, Don't Shut Me Down is fantastic. It's really good. I can't say a bad word about it, honestly. Yeah, that's definitely one of the songs I'm, I'm, I would expect to hear at the Abba Voyage next year, for sure. For um, sure. And then, and then there's, immediately afterwards, there's uh, Just a Notion, which is basically great a song. song that was originally recorded in 70, 1978 for Vu and was yeah. left off um, for reasons I think you can hear that in it, right? I think this yeah. is the only song on the album that kind of sounds like old Abba. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I mean, it's, it's a classic ABBA power piano pop kind of song. And mm-hmm. uh, and they were asked, actually, Bjorn was asked, uh, why did we decide against putting it on the album? In hindsight, I don't have a clue. 
It's her mystery. Um, so for the album, they actually recorded a new backing track, uh, which they added drums and guitars. But all the vocals are from the original 1978 track. So that's mm. why, why it has that magic there. It has that classic energy there in it. So um, they really don't know why. And it does. And he does go on to say it actually demonstrates what we plan to do with ABBA Voyage in 2022. They will have a live band playing, but all vocals will be from the old recording. So that's interesting. Mm. So they aren't re- don't seem to be re-recording the vocals um, for the show. So that's interesting. A bit like when Kate Bush did her sh- her her shows in London, and she did a re-recorded version of "Running Up That Hill," which was in a different key because she couldn't sing it uh, in the original key anymore. And so there's mm. two versions Few of us can of that song. Know, yeah, but there's days. there's two versions of that song now. Uh, one which is like the the original, and one is like the thirty years later older version. You yeah, know? and uh, her voice changes. Like in it. like Joni really Mitchell um, with her album oh, uh, "Both Sides Now." There's a there's an old recording of both sides now, which is her probably like, if not an octave above, but like a lot, like singing a lot higher. And then, yeah. but she, she really reframed that on the both sides now album by coming in and, Oh, we, we should do a Joni special soon, actually. Um, but coming in with this much, much deeper voice, like Joni Mitchell in her later career sounds completely different to early career Joni and with the orchestra and just, it it really lended like it's such growth to that to that song and the and the the re-recording. So I think that's the only way that it could really work. Like I yeah. don't know if I'd want to hear re-recorded current vocals of like Dancing Queen or SOS. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe Fernando or something. I mean, especially like, with the voices slower. that they have, that was the ma- that is the magic of the the mm. synergy of 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 those voices together. Yeah, and they're so and ubiquitous, but just like a pop sound, you know. Like yeah, it's, yeah. It, but I, I mean, to be fair though, I, I think they sound pretty good. Um, elsewhere, I can be that woman. Tell me about I can be that woman. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, that's just what I read. What I read about it is basically, you know, it seems to be. The woman is is an addict, apparently, according to Bjorn. Mm. And you know, I guess I guess it's weird because the lyrics are very labored, um, because the way that they talk about like the dog on on your lap and all this kind of stuff, and you're like, what is going on here? Like yeah. this dog is getting its own like song. <laughs> yeah, we're getting its own narrative in this song about a woman who's like admitting that she's uh you know, done some bad stuff, and it's just mm. weird. <laughs> like he was like, it's hey, like the entire like thing is comes through. You know, oh, she jumps, she jumps down, and her tail is swishing, uh, and uh, you know, I, and then we wake up and you're bleary eyed, and I say, I'm sorry, I can see that you cried. You know, it's just like I feel did, like that's a good premise for a short story, maybe not yeah. a song. <laughs> yeah. And like, then you curse and kick a chair and the dog, bless her heart, licks my fingers and she jerks every time you swear. It's like, what are we doing here? I know. It's a very strange song. It doesn't really yeah. make sense to me at all, to be honest. Well, um, thankfully, again, rescued by the next song, which is besides Don't Shut Me Down, I think my favorite on the album. Um, it's called Keep an Eye on Dan. Oh, I'm so um, glad you said that because oh, this is one of my favorites too. And I really love too. it. I think yeah. this is a classic Divorce Core song. Yeah, I um, love it. I like, Let's take a listen to it. Okay, this is Keep an Eye on Dan from Adam. So bad My little boy looks so happy He throws me his gold mommy kiss And he loves He's dead 
Yeah, I I love that song. It's like uh, it kind of reminds me of an Italo adjacent banger, to be honest. And mm-hmm. it, I think it's probably the best production on the album, and it's got that lovely like kind of siren synth that gives it uh, that uh, kind of buzz to it. Uh, it actually reminds me of uh, one of Frida's own songs um, from 1982. A bit like I've been accused before playing this and being like oh god would you not just play an apple song and i'm like no this is great like it's a great like solo song from frida it's called i know there's something going on um i i'm gonna play it now actually So that song has more of a guitar 80s energy, but I, I do think the song have it has that. Keep an eye on Dan has a bit of that 80s energy as well. And that's what I, I think really like that comparison it. is so spot on. Um, yeah. I, I don't know that. I didn't know that Frida song. Um, it's great. It's great. It's I don't really know where good, I found yeah. it, actually. Yeah, I think, I maybe, think it's keep, keep an eye on Dan is maybe just missing that like electric. But I think it would have sounded weird if it had that level of kind of electric guitars in it. But um, yeah, it's this kind of like dark really heavy hitting divorce core song you know it's it's about like a, a child being between two parents during a divorce like i like he the, the kid like i know he loves his dad maybe i still do and it's just so good and but i think as well this is one that i can see it's like a hair metal song or something you know what I mean <laughs> I can see the crowd crowd going wild for this um and it does it has a darkness it has that sadness but just what a bop what a banger and I, yeah. I fully agree that this is probably the best produced track on the album definitely yeah yeah it just has it has the most natural feeling like um I don't know it has a coolness to it I think mm. this one that yeah. is maybe present in some of the other ones and it also has that nod to SOS at the end with the resolving which of the so piano which is so beautiful yeah. yeah which is just a really lovely touch because it's not like overplayed but it's like oh yeah that's nice you know yeah I really enjoyed this one uh, I think this is the one I'm like yeah this is this what is I, the one I, I keep want coming to listen back to. to yeah 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 um, Bumblebee is the next track. Let's skip over that because we've already talked about yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> no. And I think, and like, you're talking about the last two songs. They're fine. The last two songs They're are fine. fine. Um, like, Ode to Freedom, the last song, is exactly what you're talking about when you said, you know, they don't write, ABBA don't write songs about uh, big topics that, you know, are, they can't succinctly write about them. And this is basically Bjorn trying to write a song about freedom and just kind of imagining what freedom is, is about. Yeah. It's shite um, Bjorn, it's Bjorn's fine like kind of like his lyrics are quite funky do you know i think yeah especially when it's these like big reaching kind of topics it's, i just find yeah i find this a lot less interesting than when i hear the songs from the women's perspectives um yeah, yeah. definitely Absolutely. i'm not actually sure who who wrote what on this album though um 
haven't actually. Yeah, I mean, in. he seems Bjorn seems to have um, been the one talking about it anyway so far. Yeah. So I'm not really sure what the um, what it actually says in the um, credits for it. But um, mm. yeah, I mean, I think it's like it says written by Bjorn and Benny. Um, um, so I guess it's the same as it maybe always was. Mm. Um, so the lyrics are by them mostly. Mm. Um, and yeah, and then there's like track nine, no doubt about it. I mean, it's a kind of a classic ABBA vibe really, isn't it? It's like, it's, it's like, yeah. it's kind of a standard uh, about patience in a relationship, which is, you know, um, it's We've all ABBA as well. Yeah. Yeah. So it's fine. I think like if, if if you take that right from afterwards, I know. So Jen Gannon, who was a previous guest of this show on Friday when the album was released, um, tweeted out, I'm happy people are happy to the new album, album, but is the musical equivalent of this meeting could have been an email. It should have been an EP is how she says. I think, you know, there is an argument there. I think if you take track one, track two, uh, track four, track five, um and keep an eye on Dan. That's one, two, three, four, five songs I would really take away from yeah. this album. And then but to be honest, that's not a bad um you know, I mean that's not a bad result really. You know? I don't half, think it is, especially with the context I, of what we're coming from. And some of the songs that we're leaving out there are fine. You know, they're just they're not good. They're not the good songs on the album. They're not the best songs on the album. But I, I I thought that was a really good point that Jen made, actually. Um, I think it could have been an EP or a five or six song album if they wanted to, if it, six songs if they wanted to keep the Christmas song on it. God knows why. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's sort of, yeah, it, it's just very difficult to kind of critically evaluate um, this new ABBA album. Um, I have some some stuff that critics have been saying, which I find quite interesting. Yeah, I'd love um, to hear it. And I'm sure so, our listeners would too. Yeah. Um, so just a little rundown of how it's been received. Um, Louise Bruton, the Irish Times, five stars. Helen Brown, the Independent, five stars. Kieran McCady in the line of best fit, six out of 10. Rob Sheffield in the Rolling Stone, four stars. Kitty Empire in the Observer, three stars. Noel McCormick in the Telegraph, three stars. Nick Levine in The Enemy, three stars, and Jude Rogers, again, in The Guardian, two stars. So there was a bit of, I suppose, not infighting in The Guardian, but um, there was two, there was uh, The Guardian Review, The Observer Review, and then a letter that they published. So in the, in Jude Rogers' um, review, which was two stars, which was, I believe, the first review to be Was that the one that was said, no, thank you for the music? No, thank you for the music, which was an excellent title for it. Um, Rogers says, rather than reflecting poignantly on the past, most of the rest of Voyage feels terminally stuck there, uh, the rest being not the two first singles. When You Dance With Me tells the story of a girl left behind in Kilkenny, when a boy she loved left for the city. She spent years waiting for him to return, we're told. Presumably, she's oblivious to the existence in Ireland of train routes, driving tests and text messages. The Celtic-leaning melody in the intro recalls ABBA's incursions into other global settings, such as the Mexican battlefields in Fernando or the Spanish-Peruvian musical mood boards of Chiquitita. The overall effect doesn't prompt folkloric nostalgia, but mild nausea, which I thought was a very interesting reading um, of... Um, when you dance with me, it's not one that I disagree with, but I think my kind of emotional side just takes over when I listen to that song. And I just feel like, like I said, I just think it's gas. Um, 
following oh then we'll go Kitty Empire right which was uh in her Observer Artist of the Week which I think is published on the Sunday then so that other one was published on the Friday um so Kitty says, let's take Voyage as unexpected evidence that hope is not a fool's game. It helps to ignore the album's cheesier shortcomings, the John Lewis ad gone supernova that is Little Things with its simpering talk of stocking fillers or the Celtic pop of When You Dance With Me or the well-intentioned but misfiring environmental ballad Bum- Bumblebee and cut straight to the bleeding heart of ABBA's best craft. On breakup songs such as The Winner Takes It All or Knowing Me, Knowing You, at least before Alan Partridge hijacked it, the boys had always put the words in the mouth of the girls to sing. By and large, despite this imbalance of power, the feelings conveyed in ABBA songs have been believable, sensitive even. Here, Don't Shut Me Down, the better song of the pair of singles released in September, finds ABBA telling the story of their return. I've been reloaded. While the song's flawed central character begs eloquently for a second chance at love, another fully realized vignette, I Can Be That Woman, comes from a similar place. Um, So I think that that's a... that's a good um, reading of that. And then after that, a letter was published from Neil Barber um, and a short extract of that um, is in response to Jude Rogers, who gave the two stars. Jude Rogers is a little harsh in her review of ABBA's new album, Voyage. No, thank you for the music, 5th of November. Musically, the songs are as skillful as ever. Beautiful harmonies that build each song to their big hook choruses. But Rogers' criticisms focus on lyrics. Bjorn has always worked to turn the prosaic into epiphany, and this collection is no exception, though it now deals with co-parenting, recovered love, and subjects you might expect from an older lyricist. So I thought that that even within The Guardian, that sort of infighting and this idea that people are not reviewing the album correctly is very interesting because we don't really... We don't get that as much in the kind of like broader music press. Like you might get it on, you know, Drown and Sound forums or or on Pitchfork comments or or whatever it is. You know, we've seen we've seen stands kind of um, become very frustrated with how it is that reviewers are approaching the albums that they're reviewing. And I think that the best reviewers know that when you're reviewing an album, you're not just reviewing the music. Um, and I think the best reviews I've read now, I by no means think that this is a five star album at all. However, I, I did really like Louise Bruton's review in the Irish Times. I think that she hit on um, everything that I like about the album. For me, if it, we, we don't do star ratings on, on, on this podcast uh, for myriad reasons, um, mostly because they're unhelpful. But for me, I think three is a probably is probably a very fair assessment of what. This yeah, is, there's like, some good stuff. Adds, there's some bad stuff. There's some yeah. stuff you could take with you. There's some stuff you would not, totally. never want to hear again. I think absolutely. that's a fair and summation. It's, it's not an absolute failure in terms of a, a collection of songs not. from no. ABBA or otherwise. You know, it's it's got... It's got something to it that you makes you want to come back to it as well. Yeah. And it's it's and, fascinating in, in that way. And it's fascinating because it's ABBA maybe. It's fascinating because their songcraft is so good and they mm. and they still have they haven't lost that. Um there is these are still really well written songs, as you said. Um mm. you know, yeah, that's, I think, they're still I think there. the questions have to shift when you're talking about a band like ABBA, and there really is no other band like ABBA. Um the questions have to shift from is Voyage a good album to maybe is it a good ABBA album? What What is a good ABBA album? Is is a good album and a good ABBA album, are they the same thing? Um, is a good ABBA album 
an album that has, you know, three, four or five hit songs on it. They've yeah, what they've defines, produced plenty yeah. of those. You know, they've they've produced um, eight eight before this, um, and they've had two hits off this so far as well. So yeah, it's funny. It's 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 a funny one to to approach this. I was really happy that I wasn't reviewing it anywhere because I I would have really struggled to find my way in to kind of talk about this critically. Because like like I said earlier, like I've I've never lived in a world where ABBA didn't exist and that's true of many other bands like the Beatles or you know less so of Michael Jackson because he he kept kind of releasing music after like while I was still alive while, while I was alive rather <laughs> while he was still alive um, <laughs> in that short period of time um and yeah it's just I don't know I, I still come back to this idea of they don't owe us anything they they've already made their legacy um, and this album isn't going to affect it at all. There's there's going to be absolutely no cultural conversation at any point in the future where people are talking about the cultural impact of ABBA and Voyage is honestly even mentioned as as an album. The the, the gigs and everything next year um, will certainly kind of play into what what it is to do a big return when you're a massive massive act. But I don't think that Voyage the album is gonna is gonna you know be involved in those conversations at all. And that's why I'm that's why I'm very accepting of it for what it is. It's just Does it feel like a prologue instead of a or sorry, an epilogue instead of a Yeah. like, you know, it's it's instead just, of a statement. Yeah, it's like if you yeah. were if you were watching the documentary of Abba, which there is a great one, uh, the BBC one. Um if you're watching it, it would be the coda, the bit at the end. It's just like, yeah. and Abba went on to tour, um, Abba Voyage, and for yeah. a year, you know, and you're like, yeah, grand. Cool. And you're like, good, good right. for them. Yeah, I think a, a coda is a very good way of wording that. Um, and I mean, that's not to say that I don't hope that there's going to be more Abba releases in the future. I doubt there will be. Um, I think that this is probably going to be it. This is going to be their grand farewell. This is this is their victory lap, you know. And we can't really critically evaluate it in the same way that we would evaluate a band's like second or third album while they're at the height of their fame and songwriting and creative like time in their career. So yeah, it's, it's a funny one. And I think it's something that we're going to be getting to grips with more and more, the older we get and the more of our favorite artists become legacies, you know, like you can imagine yeah. us on our hologram podcast in our, <laughs> in our seventies talking about whether like the new Fontaine's DC, <laughs> like fucking gig on Mars is, <laughs> should be considered part of their canon or whatever. But, you know, it's just, yeah, I just don't think that you can come at this album in the same way that you come at other albums. And I think yeah. that's the most interesting part about it, you know? I like you, I like what you say, the victory lap. I think mm. that is kind of feels like that. You know, it's kind of a nice, it's a nice thing that a band like this are coming back after 40 years and doing this, you yeah. know? And, and it's not like... The reviews, they're doing it for the fans. And yeah. we're fans and we like it. So, <laughs> you know, like what? And it's like... Remember after Random Access Memories came out and Daft Punk, um, you know, had had Giorgio Moroder and, and Moroder came became this, you know, kind of uh, celebrated figure again, and mm. and proceeded then to basically rework and get remixes of all of his back catalogue, so much so that every time Release Radar came out on Friday on Spotify 
for years afterwards there was yeah. literally a Giorgio Moroder like remix from some other artist and I was like oh god would you stop releasing go away fucking remixes <laughs> like you re yeah and then he tried to do DJ sets and stuff like that he's like he didn't need to do that because you know I mean I think I think and that's where maybe the ABBA the shrewdness of ABBA is is here and apparent they're not going to be on that stage for ABBA Voyage they're they're going to let their best versions of themselves be represented mm. on stage their best voices their best looks maybe i don't know how that's going to work but there is you know they're not trying to get up and you know oh well, we're in their 70s now and we we want to do you know what we used to do when we were young they're leaving yeah. that legacy there and they're leaving you know um the their best work um mm. in its own place and even by playing the the vocals next year from the past they're not messing with that either. It's, this isn't a, a George Lucas situation where he's going back and fixing the albums or anything yeah. like that. It's like, yeah. you, know, you know, it's a nice thing you get. And, uh, but it, yeah, I, I, think, I, think, I think that that kind of brings up the question of like what, what I've called here in my notes, for whom do we voyage? Like who, who is the album for? And I think if this rollout is anything to go by, it is for the fans. Like this is the return of ABBA, of the ABBA that exists in our memory. That is somewhere between the past and and the present and it brings into into account like the cultural phenomenon of Mamma Mia for example and like you said the stage show will feature holograms of the band's past selves and I, I don't think that that is for any kind of vanity reasons I think that that is to keep the dream of ABBA alive for everybody who has this really strong memory of them like people like us in our 30s who's childhood musical understanding was shaped by the presence of Abba Gold in the CD collection in the corner of the room, but also like for people of our parents' age or older who are kind of similar ages to Abba now and have yet more cause for leaning into these memories given that they were there, you know, the first time around. So it's this, it's this idea of escapism and using this kind of technology to put yourself in into the past if you were there the first time but also if you weren't there the first time this is a chance to get to see ABBA live but and, it's the ABBA know, that you know it's the ABBA that you see in music videos the ABBA that we saw uh, at the Eurovision you know yeah and the other thing where I mentioned there is that you know ABBA were one of the the main drivers of the tribute band industry do you know what I mean like yeah. ABBA-esque and, and Bjorn again and all those bands and you know I've never this seen is, an ABBA tribute band and yeah, it's like but, on, it's on my list yeah. of things I want to do in life <laughs> well I mean this is essentially what they're doing they're doing their mm. own sanctioned version of it um with the original vocals so it's not somebody I don't know tribute bands freak me out a little bit sometimes they're a bit like trying too hard um, to I look like somebody great. else when when they when they work well yeah I, if you're, I if you're, I've just never been like, invested or wanted to be invested in it yeah <laughs> I think I saw a Fleetwood Mac tribute band completely by accident I was just in a pub and all of a sudden I was at a Fleetwood Mac tribute night and I think they were called McFleetwood um and they were really good like and they were all you know kind of in their yeah. like 40s and 50s and just having a good time singing don't stop but like it was just, yeah they're just kind of fun and I think that that's kind of that is what this is it's a, it's a tribute um for the fans and for them and an opportunity like I said for people our age to get to see the ABBA that like like if if I could see any like any performance live it would be Waterloo at the Eurovision you know what I mean like that is such a landmark moment and 
with this voyage thing, it's like you kind of get the opportunity to do that, to at least pretend that you're seeing the ABBA that exists in your memory live. I think that's such a lovely thing. It's it's so much less strange. I mean, we'll see how it how it plays out on the night or whatever, but I think it 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 doesn't have that kind of uncanny valley thing that yeah. having a hologram of like a dead artist does, which really gives me the ache. Um like they're there and I think they're very self-aware of what it is that they're trying to do with Voyage. So yeah, I I do hope they come out at the very end, like in their human form, and take a bow. I, like, yeah, maybe maybe at the first show anyway. But like, maybe they won't yeah, be doing yeah. it for eight, for nine months. Um, no. Well, I'd like to play you a track now, which is just a, a nice thing. Um, it's just the vocals from Abba's Super Trooper. I thought it might be nice to hear oh, this. Yes, please. Last night from Glasgow, all I do is sit and sleep and sing, wishing every show was the last show. So imagine I was glad to hear you coming. Suddenly I feel alright, and suddenly it's gonna be, and it's gonna be so different when I'm on the stage tonight. Tonight the super trooper lights are gonna find me Shining like the sun Smiling, having fun Feeling like a number one Tonight the super trooper beams are gonna blind me But I won't feel blue Like I always do Cause somewhere in the crowd there's you All those versions on YouTube, loads of those kind of, uh, you know, isolated vocals and all that kind of stuff Oh, I, I love all that, yeah Like when you hear the, uh, is it the Freddie Mercury one from I'm not like a big Queen person or whatever But I'm a sucker for like any isolated Freddie Mercury vocals I'm like, yeah, mm, yeah, yes please yeah, those great ones, yeah, yeah <laughs> Delish, yeah um, yeah, but I mean, like, you know, Super Trooper is a masterclass in vocal harmony. Like it is. Yeah. And it, it's the counterpoint and, and you know, the, it's the wonderful. The two. It's, it's so like lovely. needlessly complicated. And I love that about them. It's so extra. Like they didn't need to do that at all. They could have taken like seven of those voices out and still had a hit pop song, you know, but, but as well, you know, on, on Ch- Chikatita and Fernando, like They've always been great with the harmonies. And I do think that the two the two women sound fantastic on this album. So one of the reviews I was reading noted that they actually sound more similar to each other now than they ever have, which I thought was really interesting. It might be just how how women's voices change and get a little bit deeper as uh, as they get older. They might sound And also something we didn't mention actually is that the the Swedish is accent is much more present uh, yeah. on these songs. Um with the with their current accents and their you know older accents so that's interesting as well yeah um, yeah great so, have we have we done have we voyaged successfully i think we have successfully voyaged Excellent. yes <laughs> it was great this week i have to say i got to listen to a lot of alba and mm. that was a lot of fun and uh it was nice to go back and listen to the albums again and uh yeah i really I, enjoyed re-listening to the visitors actually i think that was the album, it's a great album. when i was yeah, going through really the albums is. that was the one i really wanted to come back to 
Um, and then just turn on Abba Gold. Um, I've hinted heavily that I want it for from Santa. So, because um, I don't actually own it, I don't own the. It's one of those LV things, yeah. You like so it's. You I think you have to have it in the house. Like. Yeah, it's like you might either have it from somebody else who had it, who bought it before you, or mm. you just don't have it. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. that's often the case. So, yeah, a great one to have. Absolutely. Yeah, you you either have it or you don't have it yet, <laughs> and yeah. you've been meaning to get it. Yeah, great. Okay, well, that's it from us this week, I think. Um, that's a good hour and a bit about ABBA. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash nine or nine. Uh, if you want to join us uh, with the support and the playlists and uh, receiving the playlists and getting access to the Discord community. We had a lovely night last night. Loads of us were there to see Selvestine. I don't, I don't want to hear about it. And, and Andrea doesn't want to hear about it. And that's fine because no. she wasn't there. Um, but it was lovely. It was lovely all the same. But no, lovely Discord chat. I so, did manage uh, to sell my ticket to, um, uh, my, my ticket, my friend's ticket, went to two lovely gals who just wanted a, a good life-affirming night out. And as far well, as I know, they got it. So they absolutely got it. That. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Also, well done to the Workmans because self-esteem had been um, on her socials talking about how um, dressing rooms in like smaller venue gigs just are not do not cater to women at all. And like a lot of times you have to get like get changed in the bathrooms or like you're getting changed in this like cold storage area. There's no mirrors. And um, she put up a video of the workman's dressing room and it was absolutely gorgeous, clean, beautiful. There was like a bunch of flowers there for her. <laughs> there was like a couple of bottles of champagne and she put up the video just being like, oh my God, it's beautiful. And I had never been prouder to be Irish. <laughs> so well done to everyone at the workman's. Good job, Vinny. Yeah, the they've done it up recently, I think. Out. So yeah. fair I play. chuffed about that now, I have to say. Um but yeah, well done, self-esteem. That's great. Be my friend, please. Um, yes, yeah, so that's the Patreon. And yeah, join us on the on the Discord. And otherwise, we'll be back next week. Yeah, Get well we soon, Niall. Um, I want to play a bit of uh, another Abba song to play us out is If It Wasn't For The Nights, which is one of the favourite ones I've been listening to this week. One of the okay. Voulez-Vous album tracks. So I just thought it'd be nice to finish on that. All right, Bye, Andrea, everyone. thanks so much. Hopefully I won't have a cough next week. Hopefully I won't have a leaf blower. Yo, okay, bye. Bye.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.